Welcome to the Unriveted Podcast, where we talk about technology and digital transformation, artificial intelligence, and people. Today, this podcast is brought to you in part by, guess who, John? You know it. Do you want to say it or do you want me to say it? Uh, go for it. Go for All it. All right. It is Wingnut Investments, where tightening the ROI is just a thumbscrew away. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, wow. I know. So, John, John, we have a guest, and I would like you to do the intro. Could you do, do us the honor? Absolutely. Thank you, Martin. So uh, today uh, we are joined on the Unremitted Podcast by founder, CEO, and all-around hype man for Highlight, Jay Cotri. So welcome to the podcast, Jay. Thanks for joining Martin and myself. And Thanks for uh, me. the way that we absolutely, you know, the way that we typically do these podcasts is uh, we keep it pretty free form and just let the conversation flow where it likes. And uh, we'll pick your brain on all topics that Martin discussed at the very beginning there. But I think the first thing we should do is turn it over to you uh, so you can give us a little background on yourself, how you arrived at uh, where you are today and uh, anything else you might feel is germane to today's podcast conversation sounds good sounds good yeah no thanks martin and john for having me um it was cool to i just chatted with martin a few weeks ago and then he had me he mentioned this and it sounded really interesting so i'm excited to be on um yeah my name is jay Cotri. i run a company called highlight.io people can find us at highlight.io and we essentially do what we like to call full stack observability Essentially, we have sort of a few main products, but our like sort of more core product is what is like a session replay product, which we sell to engineering teams to help them debug and understand issues happening across their stack. Since we started about two years ago, we built a bunch of like sort of adjacent products around it, such that, for example, when someone's debugging an issue on their front end, they can trace that all the way to something that's having on the, happening on the server side. Um, and so, yeah, excited to talk about just general observability things. I know Mar Martin has a lot of experience in that space. And um, yeah, in terms of the team, we're like seven people at this point. We've been working on the product for about two years. Uh, and yeah, that's what, that's, what, that's what we're up to. That is super awesome, Jay. And just to have clarification, I consider myself Mr. Observability. It's just a humble <laughs> title. Fair enough. Fair enough. I should have. I should have said that. My bad. Very yeah. That's okay. Uh. That's okay. But it, it, you know, it's a self-proclaimed title. There's no certification test, and uh, it's an honor bestowed by myself. I appreciate you on here, and I've had the honor of checking out what Highlight does, and I'm actually quite intrigued and see the uh, potential is very strong. I think this is uh, a minor. A uh, hole in the observability marketplace that you're fulfilling and doing it in a unique way. And I'd love for you to tell us, how did you get here? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, it, it's actually been really a, like a quite a journey, to be honest. Um, so like maybe three years ago, actually, I started another company and our company went through YC. And during Y Combinator, you're like in this group of a bunch of other small startups and you sort of kind of come up with a lot of the 
it's cool because you get exposure into all the problems that other startups are having. And that's kind of what can, you know, determine what you want to build and things like that, right? So a, a common problem that a lot of startups at the time were having is they were using like session replay tooling. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Hotjar and Full Story and sort of more of like the marketing tooling. And they were combining that with their observability tools, right? And so our idea at the at the beginning of Highlight was like, what if we sort of put those two things together so that early stage teams can use a session replay tool and understand what a user is doing on their site, but then also pair that with any sort of error log data that can help them actually debug and troubleshoot what's happening in the UI. So that was kind of the early idea behind Highlight. And I'd say for the first six months or so, we, it was an interesting sort of us finding ourselves and where we are in the market with respect to tools like the full story product type tools and the engineering tools. But ultimately we found that selling this type of tool to engineers was particularly a unique value add to their existing observability tool chain. And then since then we've kind of grown into becoming more and more of like a generic, like generalized monitoring tool, if that makes sense. But I, I, we get a lot of customers coming through sort of open source modern JavaScript front-end frameworks just because of the, the idea that our tool is more front, starts from the front-end in some sense. Interesting. <laughs> so um, I'll jump in with a question then. We like to go back and forth with our question asking. So, uh, you know, good. Martin's background is is Mr. Uh, observability. I, I'm I'm definitely not you know, self-proclaiming any titles on myself. <laughs> My area of interest title, is way, more Mark. in like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to have a certificate on his wall behind him for the next, uh, the next podcast that says yeah. that. <laughs> um so, so my interest in, and, and, you know, my area of interest and expertise is, is kind of in the machine learning AI space, um, okay. which obviously that's kind of the talk of the town right now in terms of pretty much anything that, uh, you know, you throw a stone at in the software development world has AI attached to it regardless of. So yep. uh, my question to you then is, is, you know, thinking about your, your platform, um, and, you know, you've been around for, you know, going on almost, you know, three years, it looks like. Um, so have you seen any changes in client like asks or feature requests or anything that you've had to kind of adapt your uh, product to in order to accommodate that very rapidly growing uh, space? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I can answer it in two ways. So the I mean, the first way is that I think AI, if anything, has the combination of this sort of AI wave along with the hype around specific JavaScript frameworks have kind of really come together in some sense, where any new like AI engineer, if you want to call it, that's using like Langchain and the sort of like new hot AI mm -hmm. libraries and stuff, often want to build something really quickly. Right. And so they pick tooling that's like easy to sort of spin up a web app and do things very quickly with, right? And so one of those things, for example, is Next.js. And I don't know if you guys know, but Next.js mm -hmm. has this new like AI SDK they worked on recently, right? So we do actually get a lot of new companies coming through those channels. And naturally, those companies are actually tend to be in the AI space. So, for example, Vercel and Next.js, those types of tooling, we get a lot of inbounds through that. So that's been really interesting. But it, it, it's interesting that we didn't, haven't really had to change our product 
to accommodate for those things, right? Because the, the idea of having like a framework that is on the front end and you need to send requests to your back end doesn't really change regardless of the industry to some extent. The second thing though that I would say is that like our team has been definitely experimenting a lot with using AI throughout our product. So for example, we have an error monitoring product and recently we've been actually sending like embeddings for any, for all of our errors and exceptions to like, we've been storing those embeddings such that we use, instead of grouping errors based on like a string match or whatever, we actually group them based on embeddings. So that's sort of like an experiment that we're running on, running in the background. So imagine that a given error, you can say that I know based on semantically that it's a database error versus it's an authentication mm -hmm. error. And so we're kind of doing a lot of experiments in that space. And that's, I think, just important generally because the AI ecosystem is, grow is growing and getting better so quickly that just our engineers being educated on how to use these sorts of APIs and understand how all this works, I think is really important. Um, so yeah, the first, the first part of the answer is basically the AI hype cycle, I think has actually helped our business a lot because we've gotten a lot of people mm -hmm. coming and trying to build these small apps and our tool itself is very self-serve and developer friendly. But then on the second side of things, it's like, how can we as highlight start to build AI into our product so that as we grow, we're on the cutting edge of what, what, what's available there. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. That's a, a really good um, way to describe this. And I think one thing that intrigues me is I think you have an open source component here and a commercialization component. Would you mind spending a moment describing, you know, how, how you got to this path? Yeah, that's a good question. So our, uh, yeah, I didn't mention this originally, but like our product is actually fully open source. So you can go to, github.com slash highlight slash highlight and the repo for our product is actually there and the engineers on our team that are working on our product are actively working on it in public there's a bunch of benefits from that right like our roadmap is public our code is obviously public uh, but then also like the specification for sending data to highlight is public so we have a lot of engineers that don't work at highlight that basically build for our platform because they're at a large company and they want to start sending telemetry data to us yeah. or whatever. So I think that was honestly the original, the, the third, the third part was a, the original inkling for what we wanted to build here, because there are a lot of open source specifications for uh, uh, observability that I don't think are actually used to their full extent. So one of the things that we rely on, for example, is open telemetry and we get a lot of the folks from the open telemetry community excited about highlight through that sort of channel. And so, yeah, in general, that was the original idea. Like we want to build a community around an open source specification around sending data from your observability stack to highlight. And obviously we have a, have a preference for like more modern frameworks, but yeah, that was the original idea from it. And yeah, since then there've been a lot of benefits, which I just mentioned, and it's been pretty exciting. <laughs> are you are you turning over to me, Martin? <laughs> now I'm trying to think of a question, good question to ask. So this is oh, how actually, we, yeah. we stumped the host. Well, well, let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. Actually, so Martin asked about open source, but then he also asked about commercialization, which I didn't mention. Right. Um, so in terms of how Highlight makes money, which I think is you know as important as a business, um, is that we uh, we have a hosted version of our product. So 
on our GitHub repo, for example, if you don't want to like run highlight in a bunch of Docker containers and have to manage it yourself, you can basically go to our hosted product, which is where we make most of our revenue from. The people come on there, they can swipe a credit card and they can just start using our product. Um, I think the another interesting, a really interesting thing that I actually talked to Martin about a couple of weeks back is companies like GitLab actually don't make money from that sort of model. They make money from like a licensing fee on their repo, meaning, or at least at the beginning, they did most of that, right? So I think that's something that we haven't done so far, but it's something we're considering. Um, but yeah, so far, the commercialization has been mostly on our hosted product. And I mean, it's it'll be exciting to see sort of as we get more enterprise interest. And as we talk to more like sort of enterprises and healthcare and fintech and things like that, what their uh, uh, interesting interest level looks like in terms of being able to self-host the product. That's actually a really good uh, segue to like the next way to look at this is the potential of you being a, a plug-in or a, con or a connector to yet another observability vendor on the market already that is commercialized. Um, you know, you, you could be positioned really well there. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think we do already have a lot of customers that use us alongside sort of more like, for example, I don't know, you, you're, you're, y'all are probably familiar with Honeycomb, right? Honeycomb is a great tracing product yes. and, it, and they're like very specialized in the tracing realm, right? So we have a lot of customers that use Highlight for their client side recording and error tracking, but then use it alongside Honeycomb and kind of can pass trace IDs back and forth, if that makes sense, right? Um, so I think that in my opinion and how I think about it is we're not really a gateway necessarily for like observability data. I think at the end of the day, we do want our customers coming to our app to see the data. Um, but I think there are, you're right, Martin, a lot of opportunities for us to like work with other bigger companies to basically, you know, enhance and augment the experience for their respective products. I could see it. And also the cloud providers, they're, you know, they're silently in observability, but they don't, they don't really tout it. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. They're, they're there. They are. They are. And I mean, but I, for whatever reason, I think they just don't focus as much on it because it's not really their business, you know? I guess that's to some extent, it could be like long term a thing where we're on like the AWS marketplace, for example, and people can just like spin up highlight there, you know, so I think there's a lot of opportunities in terms of just like growth in, in partnerships. Very good. Um, John, did, as a host, <laughs> you must you must have something just burning. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think I, I pride my, or I think I told you, I pride myself on being able to come up with great questions on the fly. I said that to Martin the other day, and like, usually I am, and now I'm kind of like stumped because <laughs> he's the Mr. Observability, right? And I'm, Martin uh, is Mr. You know, Observability. He tangentially did, involved he said in it that. himself. <laughs> well, here, here's a, here's a question then. All right. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it might not necessarily pertain precisely to your offering, but, you know, your thoughts I'm always interested in. So, you know, I, I, I became involved in software development, AI, data science, kind of on, on my own, right? I didn't go to school for it. I wasn't professionally trained in it, but um, I have developed that over the years just by working in roles. And, you know, that's the best experience, right? So yep. one of the things that I've always had uh, issue with when, you know, there's an error or an issue uh, with 
the uh, code execution and you get, you know, you get like a, a, a trace back or, or some error message or exception that's thrown and, and, you know, the interpretation of that exception. So one of the things I've always wondered is like, sometimes I feel like the message that you're given uh, when an issue does occur is sometimes itself very hard to interpret. Um, and maybe that's just from my lack of, of, you know, 30 years of experience writing code every day, but I've always wondered if there's like a better way that we could give more like natural language responses for an issue. So thinking about that, you know, maybe just your perspective on uh, adding something to like the observability um, capabilities of, of your tool or any tool to be able to tell people in a natural, you know, easily understood uh, response to, to, to when something occurs. So rather than throw like an error code and, and some random, uh, stream of, of digits that you ultimately just have to go online and look up on like stack overflow or the manual or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Is there any, you know, is there any interest in that or is, I mean, I don't know if hopefully what I'm trying to ask makes sense. I think, um, yeah. I think and I think it too, with like large <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, I Martin think it makes doesn't sense. get it, but no, no, I, I think there's it makes a sense. whole product idea that. Okay, well, all right, well, I'll turn it over to you. Tell me what you think uh, uh, in that regard. Sounds good, and yeah, and I'll let Martin chime <laughs> in. I think he wanted to say something too, but yeah. So my my thoughts my my thoughts are that like I think our philosophy around the company has always been around this idea of like cohesion, which is the idea that like one, like. Y like a stack trace is never enough. In other words, you can't just debug an issue from looking at a stack trace. In maybe one out of like 200 times, maybe you can. But beyond that, what you need is you actually need context in terms of what went on before and after the error around your stack, right? And so that's kind of like what, we've, what we're building here, which is the idea that in, let's say you have a Python backend, John, that's doing some AI inference or something like that. And then you have a JavaScript front end, right? And the JavaScript front end is calling the back end, right? But there's an error on your back end. Imagine if you could know that Martin maybe clicked on your site in a specific part, which triggered the error in the first place, you know? And so mm -hmm. in some sense, it, it doesn't exactly answer your question with respect to like summarizing an error <laughs> with AI and stuff like that. But right, I right. think there is, I think there is like a long-term goal. And I think it's not, not doable that you can actually summarize mm -hmm. what happened around an error to give an engineer full context in a more like semantic sense. So we've tried this actually in some ways when, when, uh, when ChatGPT the APIs came out uh, maybe like six months ago or whatever, right? We tried to basically take a session, a user session and describe it. But turns out mm -hmm. it's like, we're not there yet. I think like there's a lot, there's <laughs> a lot to work to be done on that front, but yeah, like we're, we're constantly, right. and I'm sure other observability vendors are doing the same thing where we're, we're trying to make it as easy as, as people can to sort of debug these issues in a way where they don't, don't have to be clicking through seven different products and can get as much information they can in like a readable context, you know? So I, I do agree with right, the premise. Right. I think we're not there yet, in my opinion, but I think, I think we're getting there. Yeah, I think, I think it's not, we're not that far. Martin, you had something to add, I think. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're about to wrap up, but let me go. I think there's a productization idea in the making here, John and NJ. Clearly, if we can just throw the garbage into the LLM, 
and it's a, a mix of time series and event data. And we could train it on how to handle the time series and the event data, along with the lookups of the things around the numbers that go with those things called exceptions. And uh, you can come up with something for sure. Guarantee it. And then it could, it could come out with a nice SMS message that says, welcome, John, you have mail. 500 exception error, go to the server and restart it. There you go. I know yeah. that's not rocket science, that part. But, <laughs> but to get more contextually into what happened building into it, uh, definitely, I think there's a, there's a play here. Yeah. I, I, and Good. I think also like Stack Overflow, for example, like they, they started actually recently charging for their data set. And imagine if you could, as a as a error monitoring product like Highlight, start to to look at an error stack trace and all the things that went around it, and then ask the LLM, "Hey, can you find me a relevant document in Stack Overflow?" And then you actually can give someone like a almost like a you know how like ChatGPT now will give you like a uh, uh, what is it called when they'll like link you back to the original document. That I think could be really cool and is maybe a step mm. in the direction of what Martin just said. So lots of exciting things happening on that front, I think, for sure. And we're, we're not even close to, to, to seeing exactly what it turns into. Agreed. Agreed. Perfect. So thank you for joining us on the Unriveted uh, podcast. And on behalf of John and I, we really appreciate it. And for that, we're going to call Lights Out. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.